Is it possible to have access to the highest quality health care whenever your family needs it? Count on it. Count on Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan to give you access to the care you need with the largest network of top doctors and hospitals. Because when you find the doctor that's right for you, you should be able to choose her. Access and choice. It's healthcare coverage that works the way you want it to. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Confidence comes with every card. The torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans. He battled the talking heads and cynics in Washington to save GM and Chrysler. The only thing we have to say is fear itself. He battled the Great Recession to save Michigan's capital city from bankruptcy. This big, bold country that we love, that's what I see. That's the America I know. Now he's on a mission to save the America that brought his father from Italy and millions of immigrants to build the greatest nation in the world. And I do believe that the office of citizen is the highest office in this country. Here he is, America, Verge Bernero. All right. Well, good morning and welcome. Happy New Year. It is 2020. We have a great show for you today to usher in the new year. We will discuss current political events and New Year predictions, New Year's predictions, with two terrific guests, Virginia House delegate and radio host Mark Levine, host of the Inside Scoop, and Fox News analyst Leslie Marshall, host of the Leslie Marshall Show. Both are joining the NRM Streamcast family, by the way. I'll also make some New Year's predictions in virtual reality. That's virtual, not virtual. Uh, and some can't tell the difference. And we'll get some lofty, uplifting, motivational words from Senator Elizabeth Warren. She gave a speech on New Year's Eve. Some of you were whooping it up, partying, uh, having a, a toast, of course. And Elizabeth Warren was giving a speech, working on New Year's Eve. But when you're running for president, I guess it never stops. So again, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2020. A year when most of us will just eh, sort of be taking it easy. Not, you know, anything too tumultuous in 2020. Well... There might be some important things happening, like an election. Uh, in spite of all the challenges and threats, the floods and the droughts, et cetera, et cetera, and, and uh, our hearts go out to the folks in Australia, um, uh, hope springs eternal. And the youth like Greta, uh, Greta Thunberg, uh, Time Magazine's Person of the Year, I think the youth are our greatest hope and uh, promise for the future. Again, our condolences. Uh, to the folks suffering in Australia, our condolences to the victims of the hate-inspired violence over the holidays in Texas and in New York City and anywhere else in the nation and world. Uh, so uh, sad and tragic that uh, the, the hatred and violence that people have to contend with. Uh, some big news today, uh, Julian Castro is out, O-U-T, out of the presidential race. Uh, this is pretty earth-shattering news. Um, it, uh, it's, it's as earth-shattering as something that I saw. Uh, I've got a clip. We've got a clip. This, this is a clip of some other earth-shattering news that took place. Um, this involves the puffin, and you can just play it uh, whenever. This is a, an Icelandic bird, a seabird, the puffin. Pay careful attention here. Ah, there you go. Did you see that? Look, it, the Icelandic seabird, the puffin, for the first, 
<laughs> I'm not. I'm not making this up. This is big news in the seabird world. Um, that uh, it scratched itself with a tool, not with its beak. It used for the first time a tool. Did you see it pick up? It picked up the stick and scratched its belly. Uh, and that is pretty earth-shattering, um, as earth-shattering as, as Julian Castro dropping out. Uh, and, you know, I, I have nothing against the guy, um, but I just never heard uh, about his accomplishments. I think some of these folks, if you've been a mayor, uh, you should talk about what you did as mayor. You know, talk about what you did as HUD secretary. I, and maybe he tried, and it just never got out. Uh, a great guy, uh, but I, I, I didn't get the message um, so that leaves Biden, Bernie, Warren, Buttigieg, Klobuchar, and Yang. Now, I'm sure I left somebody out, and I'm not going to apologize because there are so many. There's probably one or two that haven't dropped out yet, but you're about to drop out if you don't know it. Uh, so uh, that's the big one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, well, the big four, and then Klobuchar and Yang. Is that offensive to, to say? Uh, Biden, Bernie, Warren, and Buttigieg, and then uh, Klobuchar and Yang. So it'll be interesting to see who who will be next. Uh, but as I said, um, so the the um, we, we're going to hear some we're going to hear some inspirational words from Elizabeth Warren later. But under our impeachment watch, uh, I do want to start with Elizabeth Warren, who, as I say, was working over the holidays. A lot of folks took some time off. The president. Uh, went down to Florida, uh, which I'm not going to advertise his place because I don't want, you know, want to put more money in his pocket, even more money in his pocket uh, as he's president and continues to cash in. But uh, he went down to Florida to, to relax and play some golf and whatever, what have you. Um, but uh, the impeachment uh, is still hanging over his head and over America's head. And Elizabeth Warren had some things to say about the Trump presidency and uh, what's going on. Here's Elizabeth Warren. In the past 12 months, the president has become bolder with his lies and more brazen with his law-breaking. He has tried to squeeze a foreign government to advance his own political fortunes. Meanwhile, the Republicans in Congress have turned into fawning, spineless defenders of his crimes. Wow. Spine, now, of course, that's nothing I haven't said. Uh, <laughs> defenders of his crime, um, that's what we're getting. And uh, the only real hope for impeachment is that uh, for it to succeed, you know, with a conviction of the president would be for Republican senators, uh, at least a few, uh, to come around, even to get fair. We don't even know if we're going to get fair rules. And we're going to talk about that with our, our esteemed guests here shortly about uh, whether Mitch McConnell uh, and the Senate Democrats, Chuck Schumer, could come up with rules, as in every other impeachment trial. Uh, the Democrats and Republicans agreed, no matter who was in charge. Democrats and Republicans were able to agree, I think almost unanimously, on the rules to conduct the trial. But so far, it doesn't seem like there's any constructive talks going on between Moscow Mitch and Chuck Schumer. Uh, can we hear that uh, second clip of Elizabeth Warren? But unless some Senate Republicans choose truth over politics... Donald Trump will be emboldened to try to cheat his way through yet another election. So as we turn the page tomorrow into an election year and into a new decade, there is the chill of fear in the air. People are afraid. 
afraid for their families and their neighbors, afraid for the children locked in detention centers and the children on lockdown in our schools, afraid for women, LGBTQ people, especially trans people, whose rights will be decided by the Supreme Court next year. You bet. Afraid for our country, afraid for our planet. And the danger they feel is real. Our democracy hangs in the balance. And now it comes to us. Now it comes to us to fight back. Indeed. Uh, so uh, she really speaks truth to power, Elizabeth Warren. Um, she. Uh, she goes on, so she says we're a nation living in fear, and I think a lot of people are. I think there's truth in that. She says that Trump will be emboldened unless Republicans step up. Uh, and we're going to discuss this with Mark Levine uh, shortly. Um, but uh, Trump will be emboldened. And I'm going to discuss my predictions, and I have made some predictions about what Trump will do when he is emboldened, if the Senate Republicans did not step up. Um, so, uh, but as it is, the danger is real and democracy hangs in the balance and she's so uh, right. Uh, and there is a chill of fear. I mean, especially folks, and you know what, I, if you're in the majority and you're sitting comfortable in a gated community, then I guess you don't have the fear. But the reality is when you have people getting run down in vehicles because of the color of their skin or because they appear to be Mexican, quote unquote. I mean, look what's going on around this country. I, I, I can't look. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend I am angry and I am concerned. And the fact is, if you are not in a privileged class in this country, you have every reason to be in fear, in real visceral fear. And I'm not one who's a fear mongerer. But uh, when... I don't remember things like this being tolerated and, and being and proliferating like they are now. The hate crimes that are going on, the anti-Semitism, uh, you know, anti-people of color, where people are just acting out, saying things, doing things, and feeling that they are justified, feeling that they, they can somehow come out of their shell, come out from under their rock, and make these racist attacks, verbal and physical attacks. These are real things that are happening in our country in 20, well, let's hope it doesn't happen in 2020, right? Okay, it happened in 2019. We, can, we cannot accept this, folks. Democrats, Republicans, brothers and sisters, we cannot accept this. America is better than this. And I think that's what Elizabeth Warren was saying. Mark Levine, state delegate uh, and uh, from Virginia and radio host, is on the line with us. Uh, Mark, uh, good afternoon yeah. and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. So I, I, I want to start, I guess, where I finished there. Uh, Am, am I overreacting? I mean, feel free to tell me, Mark. We spell, we tell the truth here, and I know you do too. Um, it just seems to me that these, for me, I mean, I'm 55 years old. These are unparalleled times. I don't remember ever a time. I mean, granted, when I was tiny and I didn't have any political opinion, there were some there were some things going on in in the city of Pontiac 
where I grew up. In, in, and I, I remember vaguely as a kid looking out my window, I remember vaguely my parents being concerned in like 68. I mean, there was some unrest. But in my adult lifetime, I've experienced the country getting better. I've experienced, the reality is I have felt all along that we were making progress in terms of race relations, in terms of caring about everybody in this country. Anti-Semitism, I hardly knew what that was growing up. Yeah. I mean, it was a relic of the past. It was something about Hitler and the Nazis. But now we're seeing, it seems to me, and again, you know, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems that there is a proliferation of these things. And I don't, I don't hear the outrage in official places like I should. But you tell me. I agree that the United States is more divided now than at any time since the Civil War. I don't think we've been that divided in, until now. And I think it is entirely a Trumpian phenomenon. I think the Republican Party is, has become the Trumpist party. And I see all these parallels to you know, when a democracy becomes a dictatorship, you can look at Turkey and Erdogan, you can look at uh, throughout world history, this is the kind of thing that happens. You have a populist leader who turns people against each other, usually based on race or nationalism or religion or some other common thing. I think a lot of it is uh, pushed by Fox News. Well, he says, Mark, Mark. that demographic changes are scary, that white people have to fear non-white people. I agree with you. We are in a very, very dangerous point. So Trump, Trump says, you know, I am a nationalist. And, and most yeah. people don't really know what that means. And when Trump says America first, most people don't know about the... the uh, Charles Lindbergh. Yeah, the, the, the racist uh, nationalist background of that, of that phrase. So even my close friends and family feel that this is an overreaction, that I'm being overemotional. That, that, you know, I'm somehow uh, being apocalyptic. I, I've read to, but, but yet, you know, I read How Democracies Die. We had Professor Levitsky, one of the authors of that book on the program here. Uh, and he, too, uh, did not feel that, that it's an overreaction. You know, and he, the book is a case study of a number of countries that, that went from democracy to having that democracy stolen to, to authoritarian systems. Uh, you never know when you voted in your last free and fair election. When a, a citizen has voted in their last free and fair election, they are not given a certificate that says, congratulations, you know, it's over now. Uh, it just sort of creeps up on you. Uh, you know, I, I, people always warn us that appropriately not to make jump to making changes it, to, to, to making uh, comparisons to the Third Reich. But you know, Hitler was elected. Let's please all remember that um, he, he was put in office by an election. Uh, I, I don't have to go back that far. I can look very recently to Turkey, which was a secular <coughs> democracy and a very successful one for 60 years following World War II, and now has in effect a dictator. Oh, absolutely, democracy. Do become dictatorships. It does happen. It has happened. Yep. Uh, and, Germany, and, and the Weimar Republic was a republic. And our president so gets along well with those dictators. We, we have to be wary of these things. And look, it's not like we haven't had conflict. I mean, the 1960s were full of conflict, but they were conflicts about, like, the war in Vietnam. Where, where should we go? Um, they weren't. And then the civil rights era was absolutely a conflict of race and people against people but it went in the right direction, right? I mean, well, those those the difference mark there, right? I mean, you make a very good point that th th those were 
conflicts that kind of prove the democracy, that democracy is right. messy, democracy is protest, it's people, it's, it's, it's voices, it's, you know, it signs. And, and out of that comes something. But, uh, but what we're seeing, the ugliness and the division and the polarization, you know, Mark Twain said it's easier to fool people than to, than to convince them that they have been fooled. And this That's is, right. and I felt that this was so apropos. I just heard this quote. I had never heard this. Of course, Mark Twain has so many good ones. It's easier to fool people than to convince them that they have been fooled. And this is how I feel about a lot of these, uh, my, my friends, my Trump supporter, supporting relatives, that they they don't want to, you know, they have voted for the man. They've believed in certain things. They're not racist. And I'm talking about, of course, people that I know not to be racist, uh, my friends and family. And yet they support this man and, and seem to be blinded by the kind of dog whistles and 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 the the lies that he constantly uses and how he whips up that extreme right that nationalist movement he says I'm a nationalist he doesn't say I'm a white nationalist he doesn't have to the white nationalists know he's on their side well let me give you another quote uh, you can I, I don't remember where I heard this I don't know if it was from anyone famous but uh, the person said that Democrats say uh, we'll believe it when we see it but Republicans or conservatives or Trumpists are saying, we'll, we'll see it when, when we, be we believe it. In other words, they must believe it first before they can even open their eyes to see it. And Cor- that's a very, very dangerous place to be. You have to be in their wheelhouse. You have to be agreeing with them before they see it. I'll just give you a crazy example. I, you know, my name is Mark Levine, L-E-V-I-N-E. There is a right-wing talk by the name of Mark Levin, L-E-V-I-N. I get confused with him sometimes. And what that means is I get email from people who think I'm him. And it's fascinating to me because I know they think I'm him, but uh, they send me an email. I'll respond to their email, and they'll say something like, oh, great one, which, of course, I would never presume to call myself, but he does. Um, oh, oh, great one. You know, what do you think should happen with you know illegal immigration or something? And I would respond and say, actually, I think immigration is the lifeblood of America. I think immigrants are good. I think it's what makes us strong. I think why we're the greatest country on earth. I love it. We take the best from all over the world, and I think we should make immigration a lot easier. And these people will respond to me, huh, I didn't think that would be your view, but you make a lot of sense. That's hilarious. And And, and let me say, Mark, my— think I'm him, and I knew that, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't correct him on that, and I admit that. Yeah, but yeah. Because they think I'm him, they're willing to accept a quite liberal idea because I'm in their wheelhouse. They, they trust him. They don't trust we liberals. And, and that's a very dangerous place to be when people's but, facts are shaped by whom they trust but you, and you, not by the actual argument or logic. Or so you, you make a phenomenal point, Mark, uh, but I think... But, but but the lesson I'll take from that is that we should not give up that that, uh, you know, we we should not. And I and I'm talking to myself here, too, because we should not be dismissive and we should not be uh, I don't want to say argumentative, but, but, but we should not talk down. Uh, to people. Nobody's going to be persuaded. I'm not, I'm not accusing you of that, but I think sometimes we get carried away. And I think people uh, will look at, you know, we can, we can never give up on sharing the facts and, 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 you know, making relevant, logical points uh, that, that are u- uniting points. I mean, there, Im- the immigrant experience is so vast in this country. And my parents, by the way, thank you for your comments. We, we agree hundred percent. 
uh, you know, so many, there's very few natives, uh, folks that can claim to truly be Native Americans. So they came from somewhere. I think that immigrant right. experience and immigrant story, that's a good one for us to start with. Uh, and I think, again, that's why Trump's numbers are where they are. You know, he, he's, in terms of his disapproval, I mean, he's worse than most any president in history in terms of well, his particularly num- with, with decent economic times, we don't usually see numbers this bad. And I think it is because of the nativism. And I also think it's a lesson for how to talk to a Trumpist. One day I'll write a book, How to Talk to a Trumpist. Yeah. But, but is this. You must get in their emotional comfort level first. Before it's logic won't work. I'm sorry. It will not just logically this guy, you know, he's he's conspiring with Ukraine and he's helping Putin. And then everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is. But you can't show them the evidence. They won't look at it. The first thing someone has to do is trust you. And interestingly, the best way for people to trust you is not politics. It's help them find a job. It's be their friend. It's help discuss the troubles with their marriage. It's help them with a child-raising technique or play with their dog or go out, you know, and, and to a sports game together. If you connect with people on a one-to-one personal level and someone recognizes, yeah, Mark's a liberal, but he's a good guy. I mean, I know that. I've seen him play with my kids. I've seen him, you know, um, help, me, help out, me out in my time of need. Then suddenly, once you're a good guy, a good person, they can open their ears, which have been clogged, and suddenly listen to your arguments and say, you know, it's not just me that's a good person. Look at that Latino immigrant. Look how hard they're working. They look at their work in 12-hour days to feed their family. Why would we ever not want that person in the United States? Aren't they just like your great-great-grandparents and my great-grandparents? But but first got to get in the door and... And if you start with the argument rather than the personal connection, it's just not going to go anywhere. Well, if you keep talking like this, the real Mark Levine will come through and will be heard, and it gives me great hope. I understand you're coming to the NRM NRM Streamcast family. Uh, I have to... I have to say goodbye but to, to you now, Mark, but we have so much more to discuss, so I'm glad that you'll be coming on NRM. And, I'm uh, thrilled to be coming on. I should let people know that I am a, a state representative. I'm a, a member of the Virginia House of Delegates. I am going to do that through January through March. I may come on occasion with you, Verge, but my show will start at the beginning of April of 2020. Yeah, yeah, we'll have you. uh, Thank you for sharing that. And we'll have you back because, again, there's so much going on and uh, we value your your, uh, great voice and your your informed opinions. Thanks so much. Happy New Year to you, Mark. Happy New Year to you. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Mark Levine, uh, host of his own program, The Inside Scoop, that will be coming to NRM Streamcast. Uh, and we will have him back. Is it possible to have access to the highest quality care whenever your family needs it? Well, count on it. Count on Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan to give you access to the care you need with the largest network of top doctors and hospitals because when you find the doctor that's right for you, you should be able to choose her. Access and choice. It's health care coverage that works the way you want it to. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Confidence comes with every card. Is it possible that every person in Michigan, in every zip code, can have access to the most preferred health insurance? Can a company that is always bringing leading edge ideas also bring the good old fashioned roll up your sleeves work we need to lift up our communities? Are we able to take 80 years of knowledge and experience and apply it every day to help everyone in Michigan? 
count on it. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Confidence comes with every card. And we're back on the New Year's edition of the Verge Bernero Show. Uh, joining us now is Leslie Marshall, Fox News analyst and host of the nationally syndicated radio show, The Leslie Marshall Show. Uh, she will be joining us shortly. Uh, and we're going to be discussing impeachment and some specific questions, which I had hoped to get to with Mark Levine. Um, there is impeachment hanging over the president's head. These are historic times. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, the impeachment is done so rarely that we cannot uh, assume there's just not enough precedent out there. <clears throat> and so we're all trying to read the tea leaves about what Nancy Pelosi will do. Uh, we know with the legalities and the Constitution, but this is not all carved in stone. And so to help us figure that out, we are joined by Leslie Marshall of the Leslie Marshall Show. Are you there, Leslie? Yes. Well, Happy New Year to you, and thank you for joining the Virgin Bonero Show. So, Leslie, we uh, kind of got uh, off track with Mark, and we weren't able to get into some of the specifics. I don't have to tell you the historic times that we're in. And so uh, I kind of want to get right into some of these impeachment questions with you, although obviously you can— um, Yeah, that sounds good. You, can you, you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. And obviously you can comment on anything you'd like. We're, we're uh, honored to have you on the program. But— Oh, honored to be here. I'm just getting a little nervous because I'm hearing like every other word you're saying. <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm on a landline. I'm going to get closer to the microphone and see if that helps. Okay. So my question is, first first of all, uh, what is Speaker Pelosi waiting for? A lot of folks are wondering, you know, there was this, uh, the articles were voted on, and now is it the holidays? Is it the State of the Union? What does Leslie Marshall believe is going on in uh in the speaker's office. Well, there's no secret. I mean, she and everyone else in her office have been uh, very candid about what they're doing. She said she will pass along the two past articles of impeachment from the House once the Senate sets the rules for the trial, which they haven't, as you know. Uh, and that's something that is in the hands of Speaker McConnell, along with the minority leader, Chuck Schumer, to uh, work out. And, of course, also the... Uh, that both the House and the Senate have been gone for a couple of weeks on break. So, so uh, very good. So, in my my understanding is that in past impeachments uh, processes, uh, which I guess are two or three, um, that the rules were agreed upon unanimously by Democrats and Republicans, regardless of who was in charge. Well, those rules are obviously not being abided by because the original rules that were agreed upon even years ago, if you're going back to the, the Clinton days in the 90s, um, that both sides would have a list of witnesses. See, what people don't understand is there's a very big difference between presenting information and evidence and voting on articles of impeachment in the House versus a trial in the Senate. For example, subpoenas can be ignored and have been in the House. They can't in the Senate. Uh, in a, it also... In the House, House members could be absent from voting on articles of impeachment. You cannot be absent in the Senate, which actually poses more of a problem for Democrats than it does Republicans, because you have a handful of senators who are running for president 
while this may be simultaneously going on, and they have to be present for the trial. So uh, this is not being agreed upon. Uh, Senator Mitch McConnell has clearly stated that he is working with the White House counsel. Now, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, this did not happen during the Clinton years. Um, uh, Republicans didn't even, uh, and Democrats didn't do that with the White House counsel. And both Democrats and Republicans didn't act uh, the way that they're acting this time around. It's, so uh, this so is clearly this is, this is very different than what was originally agreed upon. And Mitch McConnell has 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 made it clear he's already given the outcome, which did not happen in uh, prior impeachments, uh, President Clinton, and, and even all the way back to before we were born. Right. So, uh, so one, uh, two. Uh, in addition to the. Uh, the, the witnesses that nobody's going to put forth working with the White House counsel and already discussing what the outcome's going to be, um, that is not what was agreed upon. And that is not in the rules that were agreed upon. So there, there is no precedent. I appreciate the point. There is no precedent for the kind of uh, collaboration slash collusion between the Senate, which is where the trial is taking place, and, and the White House, the president who is being charged. Uh, so, so th- this well, is well. There shouldn't be, but when you have the leader of the majority in the Senate, Speaker McConnell, saying that he is working with the White House Counsel, that's not how it goes. I mean, if you look at Clinton's impeachment, um, you you had uh, Democrats who voted to impeach him in, in the House, and then in the Senate, you had Republicans who voted to acquit him as well. It was more of a bipartisan agreement. Yes, there are more votes along party lines when you break down uh, the actual numbers. Uh, but, but nobody was working with uh, Bill Clinton's counsel for his defense in the Senate because that's not, how it, that's not how it works. This is not, first of all, this is not like a court of law where there's a plaintiff and there's the defendant. And when I say that, in other words, Mitch McConnell is not the defense on the defense attorney's team, nor should he be, nor should he suggest that he is, which is what he is suggesting when he says he is working with the White House counsel. Right. So, so look, in terms of real politic, then, in the words of Al Gore, what is the controlling legal authority, though, Leslie? What, what is the control? Where is the controlling legal authority to step in to say, hey, Mitch, I mean, is that going to be the justice of the Supreme Court? I heard that the chief justice, quote unquote, presides. He is called upon under the Constitution to preside over the trial in the Senate. Can Justice Roberts say, hey, wait a minute, this is out of sorts? Or is there any higher authority that could whip McConnell into shape? Well, as you know, with the branches of government, the Supreme Court is the highest. They are technically above the executive branch and uh, the legislative branch. And in this situation, yes, the, the, the Supreme Court would be the supreme being in this scenario. And, of course, the Constitution, with the, you know, that he should be holding in his hand and, and referring to. So, yes. Um, but then again, uh, sadly, um, our courts have become quite political. Um, so I'm not sure. Uh, I, I really have to, we really have to see. Uh, what the chief justice will do uh, with regard to this. There are people already that feel that, you know, because of McConnell, some of McConnell's comments, especially saying working with White House counsel and yeah, discussing what the outcome would be before evidence is presented, witnesses presented, and a final vote is taken, uh, that he should be recusing himself just based on those two things alone. It's unbelievable. But let me ask you some specific questions uh, that I've also wondered about. Uh, Okay, will there do you do you think there could be other articles of impeachment? But I have two questions. Why are there only two? 
when there's so much apparently that he's guilty of? Why did we settle on only two when Nancy Pelosi herself uh, seemed to say that there would be more, like that there would be obstruction of justice from the Mueller, Mueller report? Uh, why only two? And do you think that part of this delay could be that there will be other investigation and that they could add to the counts? I look. I'm I'm not in Speaker Pelosi's room when you know she makes these decisions. But in my opinion, no. I don't think there'll be more articles coming forth. Whether it's one, three, four, five, or ten, you go down in history as an impeached president, and that's sad for every president and for the nation. Um, so it, it, at this point, I think one, two. I think, quite frankly, I mean, as Speaker, she leads the House, and she does have those conversations of people coming to her saying, I've got votes for this, I've got votes for that. And remember, there were um, 31, uh, there were 31 Democrats that were elected in the last election, in the midterm election, in districts that are quite red, districts that voted for Trump. 22 of those are freshmen. And you already had a couple break away, one in New Jersey flipped parties. But when you sit down and you say, you know, how are you going to vote? Because they do count before they put it forth to a vote. And as you saw, a, hand, a couple of Democrats became a handful, became a, you know, a couple of dozen, became a, major, a majority. Um, I don't think that she had the votes necessary for all of them, especially with those Democrats, even more so newbie Democrats, in those red, voted for Trump, still may like Trump districts. It would be too politically risky uh, for their future in their next election because, you know, House seats are up every two years. So you raised the point, and you did uh, earlier, pointing out that uh, impeachment, the whole process, uh, is not the same, even though many uh, metaphors are used in comparisons to a criminal court. This is not a criminal court. This is a political process. It's a political charge, the result of which, if he were convicted, would be he would be thrown out of office. He wouldn't be incarcerated. Well, there's so a the, few things. One, it's not entirely poli- uh, politically uh, ch- charged, I guess, if you want to call the Constitution political. Um, the House has a responsibility to oversee the executive branch. And if there is any abuse of power, it comes to them. It is their responsibility. It is their duty when they take their oath and when we vote for them to take that oath to represent us in our various districts in this nation. Uh, to, to see that that is done. I guess, uh, Leslie... To make sure that no one, including the President of the United States, is right. above the law. So they just, just you know, when yeah. people say it's just political in nature, no. look, if yeah. I'm Nancy Pelosi and I'm looking at the polls and I'm looking at the possibility of losing seats, I wouldn't have gone forward with this at all. Yeah. So it's not entirely no, political. No, I appreciate the correction. Leslie, what I meant to say really, to put a fine it's point... It's not criminal. Yes, that it's civil. Uh, Right, and no, you're absolutely right. And and people always go, oh, high crimes and misdemeanors. But if you read the Constitution and you talk to uh, legal experts, constitutional scholars, uh, they will explain to you that, for example, abuse of power or obstruction of justice are very wide nets that can be cast. I think it was Gerald Ford, after uh, Nixon resigned, who said impeachment is whatever the House deems it to be. Although he was saying it a bit facetiously tongue-in-cheek, uh, it is pretty accurate. Right. This, uh, this so is the Constitution what... gives a very wide net to the House, especially with some of those more general terms. You don't need to have a crime. And as you know, a sitting president cannot, or at least uh, the practice has not been to indict a sitting president. Uh, so if, you know, if the, if, if the president did commit a crime, it's still not going to have the same outcome or same trial. Absolutely, you are correct. 
uh, that we would see outside of Washington and the political process and elected officials in a criminal court. So Exactly. So, look, this is why, Leslie, it's so difficult for the average American. I mean, here we are, two politicos, and I, who have... I mean, I've had constitutional scholars on the program. You, I'm sure you have talked to constitutional scholars about this. While I am not a lawyer, I've had several conversations with them about this. I've read about it. Uh, so just trying to talk about it in an intelligent way about, uh, you know, civil process versus, uh, versus legal and criminal versus civil – uh, yes, it's it's difficult for folks, for average people, to understand what this is about. Uh, and yeah, a- very very true. And additionally, when you have people getting their life in sound bites, we're in a drive-through world, aren't we? We get yep. everything quick, right? Amazon. Yep. We want things delivered by Prime. Perish Prime. You get it a day or two, <laughs> maybe today. Exactly. Um, and that's how people, uh, sadly. Uh, will get their news, except for the lucky one in four Americans who get their news from people like you and I and listen to longer-form talk, and they listen to the conversation. But if somebody's on Twitter, and they're just getting a news feed, and they're reading the headline, I can't tell you how many times I will post something, and somebody will say, how many died? Well, if they click the link, the second or first sentence will tell them that. But they want me to do that work for them. They're lazy. And okay. speaking of... Because we've become, we've become so fast. So if they're getting their news in a soundbite, and somebody says... He can't be impeached, there's been no crime. Or where is the crime? There is no crime or misdemeanor, and especially if they are normally a Republican voter or somebody who not just supports the party but supports this president, they're apt to believe that because that plays into the narrative they want to believe anyway. And it works the same on the left as well. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We've talked about this, and we've talked about the importance of citizen and that citizen is the highest office and that uh, we've got to do more and dig deeper. And along those lines, Leslie, uh, your show is expanding its reach and uh, joining the NRM family, among other things, uh, soon. So Yes, and I'm very excited about that. I'll be on your team. <laughs> yes. Yep. And we're excited about having you, so I can bother you even more uh, to you get. You can bother me as much as you want. Well, bless you. Thank you so much. Um, so uh, quickly, I know we're we're coming to the end of our time. So if you had if you had to make odds on this, uh, what do you think the odds are that uh, Speaker Pelosi will get some kind of a commitment uh, for a fair quote unquote fair trial uh, from Leader McConnell in the Senate? Zero. That's not very good. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I don't think she's going to. I don't think it's going to be a fair trial. But I do think they will set the rules. And he is the you know majority leader, and the Republicans have the majority, so they're going to get to set the rules, regardless of what Chuck Schumer and the other Democrats, so so you what, know, or even moderate Republicans in the Senate have to say about so it. What, so she what? So what? will send the articles of impeachment. So he will be sadly acquitted and, and not removed from office. And uh, you know we we know that. Um, uh, remember, Republicans. It's funny because, to me, I can't stand hypocrisy, whether it comes from the right or the left, but the Republicans have been very hypocritical here. They've been screaming at how fast the Democrats are pushing this through the House, and now they're saying they want this even faster in the Senate. And the fact that there are going to be Democrats that are running for president sitting in that room, you know they've got a big spreadsheet with a calendar on that desk 
that is largely in consideration of the decisions they are making. So you agree with Senator Warren that the Republicans are, quote unquote, spineless. And what you're saying, let me put words in your mouth and you tell me if I'm wrong. You're saying that we can't even count on four Republicans because it only takes a simple majority to set the rules. Okay, I'm not talking about conviction, but to set the rules for the trial. You're saying we cannot even count to four. that There are not four reasonable Republicans who will demand fair rules for the trial. Yes, I think it's sad, but I think that's where we're at. I, I do think, I think largely most politicians are spineless. Um, I think, you know, I, seriously, I think it's like a club, and when they get in, <laughs> you know, uh, they're, they're, they're going to be bullied, if you will, or they're not going to have friends that be asked to come back at recess to the playground games if they don't vote with their party. But and the this po- happens on both sides, but in this situation, it is Republicans. If you notice, mostly, overwhelming majority, Republicans have spoken out against Trump. Justin Amash did it after he stopped being a Republican. And then and then Jeff Flake did it what? Once he announced he wasn't going to run for re-election. Well, I think Amash... So, so I, to me, that just shows the, the, yeah. the, the, the spinelessness, because you, you know when you look at the polls uh, that there are people, uh, even Republicans. Carly Fiorina said he must be impeached, although I would vote for him. Uh, people have to understand, you can like the candidate or the person... And you still have to do the due diligence via our Constitution. I mean, aren't there some of these people that owe him nothing, that have nothing to fear, like Murkowski from Alaska? Well, she's and Romney, somebody, Ra- Romney? she's somebody we can count on, but I believe she's uh, she's an independent. Susan Collins, people have hope, but somebody wrote something today that I, I agreed with, which is uh, Susan Collins, you know, kind of teases us in on the left with the idea that she may stand apart from her party and she talks a good game, but at the end of the day, she stands with them and votes with them. She always falls into line. I mean, yep. but, but you've got Romney, who clearly owes them nothing and, and has his own base. Uh, you've got, what's his face, from Colorado, you know, who who could be in some trouble anyway. Um, anyway, here's hoping, I guess, for 2020. Well, I have to say, and this is why when people say I'm being completely partisan, I am a Democrat. I am certainly partisan. Everybody is who has a party. But mm-hmm. uh, it, look, there are Democrats out there who have said against the majority of their district, I have to do what is right. I've heard all of the evidence. I have to, in good conscience, vote to impeach this president. And we saw a number of those freshman, uh, freshman Democratic House members do that. And that's risky. They could lose their seat. And if somebody knows they could lose their seat and they still vote, in a way that would not benefit them, you know they have a spine. When you have people out there, now like Susan Collins, I don't get it, because when you just look at the numbers in her state, it's, it's pretty split. Yeah. And uh, so it, it's not going to help her politically uh, to vote to, you know, keep President Trump in office and to vote against his removal uh, to acquit him. So I'm not, you know, so I, th- I think when, you know, a lot of, people in D.C. that I've talked to have said, look, remember, when they're done with politics, they need another job, and there's all these Republican organizations, lobbying firms, corporations That's right. look, uh, look, that look. are sadly um, you know, p- pulling their strings. So they stay loyal to their party even for after they've left the party. Yeah, yeah look at Will Hurd. Very disappointing. Yeah. Uh, well, again, uh, Leslie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as I say, I'll darken your doorstep again uh, now that you're with the NRM uh, family. And we wish you all the best uh, with your program continuing to expand and, and grow uh, in 2020. 
Thanks. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me today. Happy New Year! Thank and I'm you. glad um, all your uh, I'm, I'm glad you're you're working today, and you got me to work a little today. <laughs> yes, ease ease into it, ease right, right into it. All right, thanks so much. Take care. Okay, Happy New have Year. a great day. Bye. You too. Bye. And uh, that was uh, certainly intriguing. Leslie Marshall, uh, very informed. She'll be a great addition to the NRM family. Uh, so I want to move into some predictions for 2020 before uh, before we end with our motivational pitch by uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I've made some predictions in the past, and, um, you know, we alluded to this a little bit about what uh, you just heard Leslie Marshall say what she believes is going to happen, which is that Trump will be acquitted in the Senate, regardless of what the rules are. Uh, I believe that that's unfortunately true, that he will be acquitted in the Senate. I see no signs of any profile in courage emerging in the uh, in the Republican-controlled Senate. Um, so he will get away with the crimes. And uh, I think it was Leslie that used the term – or no, Senator Warren who used the term embolden. Uh, Senator Warren, in her previous uh, comments that we aired – uh, said that uh, the president would be emboldened by the acquittal that he's likely to get in the Senate. And I think that's true. And we've talked about this before on this program, that there will be a victory lap, and it'll be a victory lap of epic proportions. It will be a victory dance, the likes of which you have not seen. Um, now, early victory laps get people in trouble. And I don't know if you saw this, Tom, but just a day or two ago, there was an, a, a race, a big race. I forget where it took place. And uh, the gentleman who was in, in the poll position, who was leading, uh, before he got to the finish line, uh, threw his hands up and basically began a celebratory, I have not seen the video, but I, I read it described, and the guy right next to him who would have come in second uh, seized on this opportunity and was able to leap ahead and get in because he kept his nose to the grindstone. Uh, you can see I'm not much of a runner. Um, but, uh, this guy that should have been the first place winner in this big race, uh, it was historic because it was setting a new, uh, record and he would have broken the record, but he began celebrating early. Yep. And so I can only hope that this Trump celebratory dance that is going to take place, that is going to be this horrific scene, the likes of which we have not seen, uh, that it will be. Uh, wildly premature in terms of the victory dance. But I think it will be more than a victory dance. My prediction is, and I've said this, that uh, he will do some substantive things. He will not simply do the victory dance and shout from the highest mountain. He will certainly do that. There will certainly be a cavalcade of tweets uh, uh, and, and rallies. But I'm talking about substantive steps that he will take, dangerous steps that he will take, including... Uh, uh, pardoning, using the presidential pardon, abusing the president, the power of presidential pardon to uh, pardon uh, and release, cause the release of Flynn and Manafort uh, and Stone, uh, folks that have been convicted of federal crimes uh, based on Mueller's uh, investigation. And um, everybody but Cohen, his personal attorney, Cohen will rot in jail, of course, because he flapped his jaws. Um, he turned state's evidence. So uh, Trump will do this not out of loyalty. A lot of people think this is loyalty. Trump knows nothing about loyalty. Trump will do this uh, to send a message to his foot soldiers. He will send a message to the Trumpians, to the Trump Republicans uh, out there in the field who he's relying on in 2020. 
that do what it takes, do whatever it takes. I've got your back. Don't worry about it. That is a powerful message. That is a powerful message. It is a powerful tool that a president has, and the tool has never been wielded like it's about to be wielded. Mark my words. This is my prediction, that he will uh, wildly abuse the power of presidential pardon, but it is a fairly sweeping power. So he can do this, and he will not wait until the end of his term like most presidents and governors have. There have been a lot written about the Kentucky governor who abused and, and, and released something like or commuted the sentences of something like 600 offenses. That was a different story, uh, interesting one. Maybe we'll talk about it. But what I'm talking about is he will use this now. He will do it now, and he will do it for a purpose. And it will be a greater purpose than just setting Manafort free because he's sick or setting stone free because he's sick in the head. It will be about sending a message. Can I get sued for that? Um, I guess we'll see. Um, it will be about sending the message to his stormtroopers, the Trumpians out there throughout, that do what it takes to win in 2020. I've got your back. You don't have to worry about breaking the law or anything else because Trump is in it to win it. He needs to send that message because a fair election, he cannot win. If you look at the numbers, they're not there for Trump. And he knows it. He knows it. The, the turnout on the Democratic side, if, it, if, it, if, it, if we can get it to approach Obama-like levels, and we'll talk more about that in a future program, how, how that's going to be done, uh, he knows he can't win a fair election. He has to rely on voter suppression. And there's been recent evidence, and we're going to talk about that in a future program, about the voter suppression efforts that are underway to remove, to take voters off the rolls in all these uh, key states. Um, they, they're going to be using every trick in the book, every underhanded tactic. And we make the mistake as Democrats. Look, we're all Americans. And again, I always appeal to my Republican friends, let's put on our, our, our American patriotic hat first. But the reality is, Trump is in it to win it. It doesn't matter. The Constitution doesn't matter. The rules don't matter. He will do what it takes to win. And so uh, we are going to see, we have to put ourselves in the minds of Trump. We, we, we Democrats make the mistake sometimes of looking at precedent when we say, oh, well, nobody's ever done this. We don't even think about the things that Trump will do because, oh, nobody's, the, this issue of pardon, the idea of issuing a bunch of pardons now, it's unthinkable. No president has done it. When has that ever stopped Trump? Trump has said over and over again he's not a conventional guy. He tells us this both in word and in action on a daily basis. So why do we continue to apply basic old-time political precedents and think that's what we're going to get out of Trump? we got to think, quote-unquote, outside the box, way outside. Trump has made that clear to us over and over again. So we have to think about the wildest, craziest, most dangerous thing. And they're doing it. And if you just read the news, you see they're doing it. When have we ever in America thrown 300,000 people off the voting rolls because they didn't vote in the last three effing years? Are you kidding me? You didn't vote in three years, so we're throwing you off? That's an excuse to throw somebody's, throw your name, make you an unregistered voter because you didn't exercise your vote within three stinking years? Now, 10 years, 20 years, I could see an argument. But because you didn't vote in three years, we're going to throw you off the rolls and a federal judge says that's okay? That's not okay. That's bullshit. That's what that is. Throwing somebody off the voting rolls because they didn't exercise their right, their basic right. Sorry, I might have blown off the microphone. <laughs> blown it out here. Uh, for three measly years. And we're going to throw you off the voting rolls. That is obscene in America. That's obscene in a real democracy. If that does not offend you, if that does not bother you, then you're more than a moron, okay? I call that un-American. 
real Americans, Democrat and Republican, we want people to vote. Now, we don't want dead people to vote, and there's virtually no record in modern times of any dead people voting. There's no voter fraud. But because you didn't vote in three years, that does not make you a 'er ne'er-do-well. That does not make you a criminal. That does not make you a louse. That does not mean you should be denied the opportunity to vote. That is ridiculous. But that's the America that we live in. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to get some inspiration some inspirational help from Elizabeth Warren, because apparently I'm too upset to be inspirational. Hey, how are you? I'm Gerald Valley, and I want to invite you to listen, watch, share my new show, The Drop-In. It is going to cover skate, music, culture, actually all sports. I have some great guests lined up, and it's to inspire and motivate people to make the most of this life we have. Check out the inspiration, the stoke, and the life of the drop-in with Gerald Valley. I'll tell you what happened. Good morning, I got the Szechuan sauce. We're at C2E2 with the legendary Chris Claremont. Greetings, my fellow geeks. My name is Jordan Trevilian, and this is Get It to the Geeks. We're here with David Yost, the original Blue Power Ranger. Nobody right. promised you when you bought the thing on PS4 that you could play it on Switch. Wait, wait, your, your excuse is garbage. I'm going to pull out my crossbow. All right, sweet chainmail armor. Let's see what you got. And we're back. Uh, So Elizabeth Warren was working on New Year's Eve. You were partying. I was partying. Uh, But Elizabeth Warren was working, and she was amazing. She was inspirational. So whether you're an Elizabeth Warren fan like I am or not, uh, I think we need a little uplifting. So uh, let's hear from Elizabeth Warren. Imagine what our country will look like. Imagine what your own life will look like when we finally turn this page in our history. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. Imagination? Imagining alone won't be enough. And you'd be right. But imagination is What time do we go to? It forces us to contemplate change in our lives, to begin to expect change, taking the time to see ourselves and our world better than they are today sparks urgency in our hearts and determination in our minds. So we come together to imagine. You know, that was a game we played over the holidays, Imagine If. Uh, imagine If. And that, that power of imagination is so powerful. Uh, to get a picture in your mind of uh, where you're headed. To think about things. Because, look, it can be depressing. And if you're having a situation, if you're stuck in a tough situation at home or at work, it can be very difficult to think beyond that. And that can be stifling. And, of course, you know, that can be depressing. So uh, she's challenging us to to use our imagination. I mean, there's a little bit of Disney in there. There's a little bit of Roosevelt in there. Um, But uh, we can be better than we are. And so we have to free our minds to think about uh, the American ideal. Not just where we are today, but where we might be. And she goes on. My plans for this country have been influenced by letters pressed into my palm by little girls. My will to fight has been strengthened by the people who have whispered their dreams into my ear. My determination to lead a movement 
has been forged by the tens of thousands of people who have said they are ready to fight for the country they know we can be. Amen. And I don't think she's making that up, folks. You know, I said at our inception of this program that citizen is the highest office in America. It's not even mayor, governor, president. Um, you can influence this process. You do influence the process when you decide to do so. And not just by writing checks. She'll, she'll take your check. I'm sure you can go to ElizabethWarren.com or something and, and contribute. But uh, you can impact this process. You can get involved nationally, locally, and you need to. Whether it's for her or somebody else, stand up for what you believe. That's what this country is about. And if we don't do it, we, we, we could miss that opportunity. That can go away. We've discussed it here. Read the book, How Democracies Die. Yes, democracies die and democracies thrive and take off. She's challenging you to be a part of something bigger. And I think we have a little more. So just for a minute, imagine what that country could mean for you. Imagine who you could be if America worked for everyone. Imagine how you could thrive if America was safe for everyone. If you lived in a community without fear, without fear of oppression, of violence, of anti-Semitism, of white supremacy, of police brutality, how would you live your life? If you were no longer tied to your job in order to pay off student loan debt, where would you go? Try a different job? Move back to your hometown? Start your own business? If you were no longer paying half your income in rent, what could you do? Pay off your credit cards, put money in a savings account, get a dog. A so Elizabeth Warren and Virg Bernero, that's me, are inviting you to the table. We're inviting you to be a part of the process in 2020. Maybe you've been involved in politics in the past. Maybe you have never been involved in politics much at all. But politics uh, will find you. And politics is calling on you in 2020. 2020 is the year. And this is the beginning of the year. It's uh, an opportunity for New Year's resolutions. It's an opportunity for folks to turn a new uh, coin, to uh, make a decision, to, to start a new endeavor. Uh, and I invite you to be a part of your government. Citizen is the highest office. Senator's an important one. President is vital. Uh, this is the year when we need all good citizens, all Americans, to step forward and be prepared to fight for what you believe in. It's your country. It's your democracy. Where are we headed? I can make predictions and prognostications. The decision is in your hands as a citizen in this great democracy. It's going to be exciting. I hope you'll continue to join us on The Virg Bernero Show, and we will figure it out together. Have a great 2020. Happy New Year to you and yours. Is it possible to have access to the highest quality health care whenever your family needs it? Count on it. Count on Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan to give you access to the care you need with the largest network of top doctors and hospitals. Because when you find the doctor that's right for you, you should be able to choose her. Access and choice. It's healthcare coverage 
that works the way you want it to. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Confidence comes with every card.